0: on In Radio, on YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts, I'm James Cridland, the Radio Futurologist. Thank you to a malcol called Chris, who said, do you still do your three-minute podcasts? I haven't seen any on my iTunes feed for about a month, kitty I look forward to them uh, and then this morning a man called Mitch from Omni Studio who hosts this podcast asked me whether everything was okay and probably the many millions tuning into in radio in the UK are a bit bored of the same one going round and round so look here's the thing I was busy and then I was in Los Angeles and and then I lost my voice and well anyway here we are sorry Chris uh, and Mitch and Roy So a friend of mine has treated himself to a subscription to Scientific American, and he's currently excitedly reading the archives which come with his purchase. And back in February 1941, the magazine published a piece about the introduction of FM radio. It attempts to predict the future, and then it adds this thing at the end. The listening public, not the engineers, will be the deciding factor. FM stations are on the air. They already have large audiences. If these people find in FM something desirable, better, more adapted to their wants, they will demand it. And that demand will be heard and obeyed. In the final analysis, it must be remembered that the public made broadcasting possible. That same group will determine the fate of FM. Well, in 2017, we're seeing a number of countries attempt to promote a successor to analogue FM, uh, and it's interesting to look at the differences between those countries. First, Germany, where just 3.4% of radio listening happens over DAB+. They're currently looking at a new law that will make it illegal to sell fancy FM radios that don't also have access to both DAB+, and to internet radio. Uh, It's a proposed amendment to something called the Telecommunications Act, and it's aimed at devices which can display the programme name, which essentially means high-quality radio receivers like fancy home hi-fis and car radios. Norway achieved take-up of DAB by leaving listeners with no choice. They said they'd turn off FM. And they're midway through this process. Now, this blow has been softened somewhat by significant extra choice. Now, a typical listener in Norway would have received less than 10 channels. They tell me five on FM. Now they get at least 35 on digital. And by the end of last year, before switch off, 40% of the country's listening was on DAB+. But here in Australia, we appear to have launched DAB Plus services in metro areas quite successfully without either legal threats to radio retailers or the threat to listeners of any switch-off. 12% of adults in Sydney already are listening to digital-exclusive DAB Plus stations, many more to simulcast, and at least 27% of Aussies in DAB Plus areas listen digitally in a typical week. The UK radio industry is also internally focused on an arbitrary listening target after which the government might go away and think about switching off FM, but it hasn't communicated that to the public, just the experience and the additional stations mean DAB is now 33% of radio listening. So it's interesting to consider the words of A.P. Peck, the author of the 1941 Scientific American piece. If these people find in FM something desirable, better, more adapted to their wants, they will demand it. The same goes for DAB, and for HD radio, or internet radio, even now. If the product isn't desirable, better, or more adapted to their wants, the industry can probably lobby all they like to promote it, but it's got a long uphill battle. Better to concentrate on delighting audiences rather than threatening them, Mr Peck might think. You can get my weekly newsletter at james.crid.land. And until next time, keep listening.